It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Lawrence Simon, Dr. Simon, and the show is The Stories We Live By. And today I wanted to uh, add another dimension or another way of looking at us as characters, the things that shape us and the way we shape others, and talk a bit about politics. Now, on the, on the surface, one could ask, what does psychology uh, have to do with politics? And I think it has everything to do with politics, and politics has everything to do with psychology. And so let me uh, set the frame of this, set the talk of this, and see uh, if it makes sense to you. And may add a dimension to your understanding and how you deal with yourself, especially, and other people. First of all, human beings are always in conflict. You know this. I mean, there's no way to avoid conflict. You want sex in the morning and your partner wants it in the evening. Uh, you have a family and uh, one wants to go for Italian food, one wants to eat Chinese, one wants American, one wants to go to a hamburger place. Uh, your kids uh, want to stay up and watch a movie that will last till 9 o'clock and tomorrow is school and you want them in bed at 7. And you want your kids to do their homework and they say later and uh, so on and so forth. So you know that conflict is built into human relationships. And I don't think that human relationships without conflict are possible, nor do I think it's good. I think who we are is shaped in many ways by the fact that we oppose other people. We come to know what we stand for as an individual because uh, we differ uh, from the moment we're born with the people in our families, with our teachers, with our church, uh, with the larger country that we live in. So the problem is not that there's conflict. Conflict, if relationships are to continue, has to be resolved. And the way we resolve conflict and get our needs met and get our way is through politics. Politics is the art and science of resolving conflict of getting people to agree in one way or another as to how to live their lives. Right? So it makes easy sense then to think of the idea that you and I are politicians every moment of our life that we interact with other people. And as I'll see in a little while, as I'll talk about in a little while, the way we treat ourselves. So conflict is necessary. Conflict is unavoidable. But politics are not all the same. And so I want to talk about different kinds of politics. And the way in which a family operates politically, the way in which a country operates politically, the way in which a classroom operates politically, the way in which a church uh, or any friendship works politically um, can be similar or different. But at all level, there is a politics that's involved 
with a tremendously powerful effect on who we are and the characters we think of ourselves as we come to be as this politics has played out. The first kind of politics that I want to talk about is anarchy. In anarchy, people do what they want to do. There is no leadership. There are no rules. People just try to get along without any kind of organized way of solving their conflicts. Theoretically, this is possible. Anarchy is possible. Um, And as we'll see, there are many people who grow up in authoritarian or totalitarian type situations who somehow would prefer to live in an anarchy because of what they've endured at the hands of of authoritarian father or mother or a a leader of a country or teacher, etc. But most of the time, uh, uh, anarchy turns into chaos. When you deal with children, you really can't have anarchy because the idea of a real anarchy is that people can choose what they want and, and take responsibility for their actions uh, and can work things out without any formal means, formal political means of resolving serious conflict. Uh, if you have a small group of friends, this p- type of politics can work and very often does work. On the other hand, it can be disastrous in a family uh, if your children uh, uh, want to stay up as long as they want and not do their homework and eat what they want. Uh, you have families that operate in a kind of an anarchy in which a child is told, go to hell, do what you want to do. This has nothing to do with me. I really don't care what you do. And indeed, you drive down the street at 10 o'clock at night. You see kids out doing what they want to do, and uh, you ask, where are the adults in their life? Where is the leadership here? Uh, Where is the political process that says to these children, you're not yet ready to make these decisions? On the other side is the most usual type of politics, and this is what I call authoritarian and totalitarian politics. In authoritarian politics, and most of us understand this, and, and the way it works, there is a leader, and the leader says, it's my way or the highway. It's my way, or I'll kick your ass. I'll beat the shit out of you. I'll put you to death. The operation of, of authoritarian politics is that power goes from the top to the bottom. And from the bottom, you don't hear anything but the word obedience. I personally hate the word obedience. I hate it when children are seen as good basically because they're obedient. Um, And as I say, obedience is very often brought in and and maintained by force. But usually force is the last resort. Uh, Although with some very strong leaders, force comes first. In some countries, you open your mouth and they shoot you. And, and uh, obedience is, is uh, uh, demanded through bayonets and at the end of guns. Uh, I've seen families, and I've worked with families, where children open their mouth and fists are used and, and uh, clubs and paddles. Uh, many of the schools, the, the battle in many of the schools in our country is over the use of corporal punishment. And corporal punishment is always a kind of authoritarian and totalitarian means of 
bringing people into line and resolving conflict. Right? The, the usual way in which this works, and I've talked about this before on this series, is by use of labels. It's by creating uh, a hierarchy, by creating in people's minds through the use of words and languages that some people are innately smarter, better, and have to be listened to, and others uh, must be obedient. It's use of blame and who's right and who's wrong. In an authoritarian structure, the leader is always right, and the followers, whether it's the children, the citizens, the students in the school, are always wrong. And if you listen to the way this operates, you see, uh, there is no argument. There are no discussions. There are no debates. Basically, the leader speaks, and if somebody disagrees, they're labeled. Uh, in church, you're a sinner. In many churches, you're a sinner, an apostate. Uh, in, in politics, you're a traitor. Uh, you're a liar. In many families, you're just no good. Uh, you're defective. Uh, psychiatry, and for those listening to this series over time, know that my feelings about psychiatry um, uh, are such that psychiatry uses the idea that you're mentally sick, you're mentally ill. Once you've been labeled with a serious mental disorder, nobody takes you seriously. You're way at the bottom of the hierarchy. You have nothing to say. You can't say, I don't want to take my medication. You can't say, I don't want to go for therapy, because you no longer know your own mind. There is no respect for you as a person in an authoritarian system. Now, let me differentiate a little between an authoritarian system and a totalitarian system, which is a more extreme form of authoritarian. In an authoritarian system, the leader is content that you do as you're told. Okay? As long as you do as you're told and you're obedient in your behavior, things go along. Conflict is resolved uh, ultimately by some form of force, some form of, of violence, and some uh, usually it's maintained, the relationship is maintained with a series of labels. I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you, etc. In a totalitarian situation, it's not enough that you behave but you have to think and feel as the leader, as the parent, as the president, as the dictator, as the priest or the rabbi or the mullah. They determine what is right thinking. And this is usually far more destructive to the kind of character a person becomes and the way in which they think and feel about their lives because they're not even allowed an inner space, a sense of, 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 of uh, what they uh, ought to feel. They have to be loyal, not only in their actions, but they have to be loyal in their thoughts, in their emotions. Uh, and uh, when I first, again, started working with people who had come to me in, in suffering and in difficulty uh, emotionally, these were the individuals who ended up with the more serious diagnoses. These were the individuals who uh, wouldn't speak or flew off into fantasy or became the most profoundly depressed as I spoke in my last, in my last blog. 
These were the individuals uh, whose identity uh, was so troubled. These were people who couldn't make a decision. These are people who, if you said to them, uh, what do you want to do, they would tell you what they should do. And by the way, I, I have to speak about that. Uh, a number of <coughs> famous psychologists used to say to the people they work with, um, have you been shooting on yourself again this week? Uh, there is a tremendous difference between the word should and the word want. Right? And there's nothing wrong with the word should. Uh, what I should do, what I think morally I'm obligated to do, is one thing. But I have to know, you have to know, that when you do as you should, it may not be what you want. So I may want to go play tennis, but I should take my wife to the doctor. Or I should go to the dentist. I don't want to go to the dentist, but I should. There's an inner conflict that I'll talk about in a moment. The problem is when an individual is raised in a totalitarian situation, they very often don't know by the time they're, they're adult or even a later childhood what it is they want on any level. When I work with students, uh, many of whom hated being in school, hated taking classes, they wanted something different. But if I sat down with them, the conversation uh, uh, really became clear in a short time as to if I, whether or not I could help them. For example, a young man who came up to me after a class, and he says to me, I really hate this stuff. It goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, and he felt comfortable saying this to me because he knew I was not going to attack him for his opinion. I can disagree with it. I could think that psychology is the best course in the entire world, but uh, he could, can feel the opposite. He could feel that this is nonsense. And so we made an appointment. He came to my office, and I said, what do you want? And he said, I want to be a chef. I love cooking. I want to be a chef. And I said, well, what stops you? And he said, well, my father wants me uh, to be a doctor. I forget whether it was a doctor or lawyer, some professional. And I hate it. I don't want to do it. Uh, and my father will scream. He'll yell. He'll, he'll die. He'll have a heart attack if I do this. And my response to this usually was something like, uh, well, I hope your father doesn't run for a bus anytime soon, because if he'll have a heart attack over your going uh, and becoming a chef, why then um, he's going to not make the bus. He's going to drop dead on the way to the bus. And he laughed a little, and he thought about this. And we had a number of sessions, uh, and his father was a screamer and a yeller. And if you disagreed with his father, uh, an old-line European-type father, spare the rod, spoil the child, although once the kids were older, he didn't use physical corporal punishment any longer. It was insults, you're no good, you'll be a bum. Uh, how will you turn out if you don't listen to me? Uh, uh, there's no way you're going to be able to live your life. And we talked about varying ways of approaching his father with the third type of politics, and that is a democratic and a humanistic form of politics, in which you express your opinion, no labels, no insults. You simply take the position, this is what I think, this is what I need, this is what I feel. 
and you try to negotiate a new relationship with the individual. Not always easy. But in this case, um, this young man knew what he wanted, and he went to his father, and he, after several weeks of negotiation, uh, uh, back with my trying to give him a kind of a tutorial in how to deal with his dad, uh, the father agreed to allow him to leave school and give a try for one year as tra- in training as a chef. I didn't see him again, although a year later he came to me. He was working in New York as a chef. He had graduated from a nine-month program, a very nice program in New York, uh, and he was a very different human being than he was when he was sitting angry and sullen and miserable and unhappy in my classroom because he just couldn't emotionally relate as he should to the topic because he didn't want it. Now this brings me to the third type of politics and that is the democratic and the humanistic and this is what we're supposed to have in our country uh, although the way politics are going now uh, I really question uh, whether or not the future of democracy in the United States uh, has a real life and uh, I worry very much about it. In fact, watching the early debates for the presidency and how the political situation is moving in this country was one of the things that motivated me to do this particular show. The, the uh, politics of democracy mean compromise. They mean voting. They mean and they adhere to a certain respect you have for an individual. I know you don't want to do this, you say to a child, but I think it's good for you to do this. Give it a try. I think in a democracy, when you raise children to live in a democracy, and I don't think you can understand what a democracy is unless you're raised somehow through school, through church, through family, to experience yourself as having a voice that's legitimate even if others disagree with you. In other words, we don't have to be one big happy family, as I said earlier. There can be lots and lots of conflict. It's simply the way the conflict is resolved. Uh, in, in a democracy, we reject violence. Uh, on a social, large social level, we have a rule of law. And when we're raising children, we have a rule of law as well. And maybe in another show, I can talk about how children can be disciplined without ever being insulted, and how children uh, can be disciplined without ever being hit or used or threatened with physical force or corporal punishment. And when I used to say this to my students, they would stare at me, many of them, in disbelief because they couldn't imagine social relationships that didn't end in one way or another without the threat or use of a strap or a fist or at the very least uh, a threat withdrawing love or throwing somebody out of the house, etc. It can work, although today I simply don't have the time uh, uh, to do this. So, we have these three forms of governance, uh, and the question is, uh, what are the consequences of using one or the other? As I've already said, in a democracy you learn to respect and think about your own feelings. You know what you want, even if you know what you should do as an alternative. In the authoritarian 
and the totalitarian. We stand God over ourselves. And one of the sad consequences of this type of, of governance is that we learn to pick up the belt or the strap, literally or symbolically, and use it on ourselves. And so we should on ourselves and say, I shouldn't feel this. I shouldn't think this. And the result is we have no idea what we want. We live our lives either being told by others and looking for others to tell us what to do. Okay? Make the decision for me, doctor. Make the decision for me, professor. Should I marry this guy, a student once said to me. I said, do you want to marry him? She said, I didn't ask you that. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. These individuals didn't know what they wanted. They were afraid of what they wanted. They couldn't determine what internally they wanted because it was always they were on guard so that they wouldn't be punished, they wouldn't be told how bad or rotten or crazy or stupid or sinful or ugly they were when they insisted on their own thoughts and their own feelings. Creativity and this I'll have to do some shows on too in the future, creativity involves expressing what you yourself and only you yourself can express as a unique individual. And we are all unique individuals. But at the same time, my definition of creativity involves expressing your uniqueness in such a way as that it betters other people. It makes family life better. It makes the school, the church it makes the country better, a richer, warmer, better place to live. So that it's a balance between what I want and what I should, a balance between what I need and what other people as human beings need. In, in, in only a democracy do you see this kind of psychological story develop in large numbers of individuals. Otherwise, I will do it and sneak doing it, or I won't do it because I'm terrified to even think about doing it, or you'll do it or I'll kill you or I'll throw you out, and you'll see these power relationships operating. Why am I so afraid of the politics in the United States at this point? I don't see much debate. What I do see is tremendous numbers of insults going on people being called traitors, people being called liars, um, people being told that uh, if they disagree, uh, they hate the country or they hate the troops that are fighting in Iraq. What you see is one form of authoritarian politics, one form of rigid ideology that says, I am right and you are wrong. Uh, what I really need to add in a few moments left of this show is the way in which religion operates, because religion very often can be totally authoritarian. Uh, God tells me I am right, and God tells me you are wrong, and therefore I have to be right, and you are the great devil, you're the object of my hatred, you're a Satan, uh, you have no rights, you have no, uh, my view of you is that you're not even human, you're simply an object. Uh, that has to be controlled uh, uh, at, at all costs. And this is more and more the politics that I see in the world and the politics that I see operating uh, in the United States at the present time.
where uh, there is no debate, a respectful debate between individuals, but the, the self-righteous uh, uh, howling of opinion that says uh, that you, if you disagree with me, are uh, the devil. The very words conservative uh, and words liberal are now tainted as words. People who consider themselves liberal, uh, and I don't think many of them are liberal, I think many of them are as authoritarian as the people they dislike on the other side, uh, think of the, the uh, individual who's conservative as nothing but a fascist. And the person who is the conservative, or defines themselves as conservative, uh, liberal is a dirty word and synonymous with traitor, godless. Uh, and the venom and the hatred that pours over the airwaves without uh, mercy and without taking any insight into the damage this is doing to the relationships of all of us in this country seems to go on and on and on with plenty of sponsorship money uh, and nobody arguing uh, are outspoken and is taking a stand and says this is the wrong way for democracy to proceed. Ladies and gentlemen, we are all citizens, citizens of our family, citizens within our friendship, citizens of our country, citizens in our church, citizens in our schools, our universities. Whatever other role we think of ourselves, whatever other story we tell, one of those stories is that of being a citizen. And we have a choice. We can uh, help each other in a democratic way and resolve our uh, differences as they have to be resolved if our relationships are to continue with affection, with respect, so that we know what we want as well as know what our obligations, our moral and social and religious obligations are, what we should, or we can continue to struggle and step on the face and the head of those below us even if it means those are our children or those are our students, while we uh, uh, avoid or uh, uh, are psychophantic and, and, and uh, say all kinds of false things to those above us. Uh, one of the hardest things, Eli Wiesel, one of my heroes, said is to speak truth to power. And uh, it's a great moment when you see someone stand up and respectfully speak truth to their power, the, whether it's their boss, uh, whether it's a parent, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a priest, or whether it's the President of the United States, whoever that is. Much of the time, what goes on is ass-kissing and, and flattering that is not really meant, while all the while hatred and fear and terror sit in the heart of the flatterer, who then turn around and look at the people below them and condemn them and spit on them and step on them uh, while accepting that the flattery of those individuals is somehow real. Uh, and uh, this hierarchy then holds together and can go on and on for years. Well, I think that's enough. I think that's it. Uh, I could take some calls in the time remaining. The number you can call is 646-716-7756. And if anybody would like to call, otherwise, 
I'm going to say goodbye for today. And it was my pleasure to do this show. Uh, I may, I'm going to be moving in the next week or two, next couple of weeks. So I may do another show, I think, next Monday. Otherwise, it won't be until the end of uh, September, uh, the end of August, that I'll be back on the air. Uh, I certainly hope you will come to uh, psychtruth.org, www.psychtruth.org, uh, where I will maintain, in some form or another, my written blog, uh, which is uh, follows a similar theme to the stories that I've been uh, talking about here today uh, in this series. Thank you for listening. Uh, and goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.